afternoon, listeners. Unfortunate news as Kobe Bryant, the NBA MVP, who had a 20-year career with the Lakers, was killed Sunday when a helicopter he was traveling in crashed and burst into flames in the hills above Calabasas, California. His daughter, Gianna, 13, was also on board and died along with three other individuals. Me and the man Mike and our producers just wanted to pass along our condolences to Kobe Bryant's family, his wife Vanessa's family, and all all of those involved. I'm sorry. Uh, Let's take a brief moment of silence to recognize and give our condolences to Kobe Bryant. All right. A-O-B! And please pardon my fresh as we bring you all a new episode of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Listeners, today is Monday, January 27th, 2020. And this show airs every single Monday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, SoundCloud, other social media sites. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss a damn thing. And if you got any questions that you'd like for me and the man Mike to answer on this show, you can send them through email to Lloyd at partmyfresh.com. You can send them directly to the website. You can also send them to us on social media, which we're on also. Lloyd A. Thompson, one word, Instagram. Lloyd A. Thompson, one word, Twitter. L-L-O-Y-D. You can fire questions there as well. And me and the Mad Mike will get to them, hopefully as soon as we possibly can, on future shows. Again, unfortunate news, as I now start to show off, Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter crash yesterday. We're going to touch up on that a little bit, but more so his career than when we're down, because there's still a lot of speculations going on as to who was on board and how it happened. So we're going to touch up on that. We're going to talk also some Kyrie Irving news, as... Mad Mike is not happy with Kyrie Irving. We want to talk some New York Knicks move, moves as well as Mad Mike is not happy with the New York Knicks. And that's why we call him Mad Mike. And we're going to touch up on some senior bowl prospects on who we think rose their stocks, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. So it's some other things sports related, listeners. So it's always listeners. Let's buckle up, sit back and relax. And start spreading the news. Hey, yo! Let's get it! How sweet it is. It's Monday. That means the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Show is back. Let's go. As always, listeners, we gotta find out where the Mad Mike is and where he's calling from. Yo, Mad Mike, where you at today, baby? Lloyd, Lloyd, pleasure to be back. Uh, I'm in New York. I'm in New York, and um, I'm not happy. I'm not happy at all. Listen, this is exactly why we call you the Mad Mike. But before we get into what's going on in your brain, and we're glad that you're feeling better. You know, that flu is going around, and I know people of fighting it all so we're glad you're better we're glad you're here you know on this very show just want to touch up on Kobe Bryant a little bit man Mike as you know reports came out yesterday that Kobe Bryant uh, was traveling in a helicopter and a helicopter he was in was in a fatal accident um, 
you know, his 13-year-old daughter was on board with him. And to my knowledge, I believe it was one of her teammates, a coach, and another parent, if I'm correct. I don't know if you heard more news than that or any other reports than that. No, um, that's that's what I heard. Just uh, I actually didn't even hear about a coach. I just heard him, uh, his daughter, uh, a parent, a teammate, and the pilot. Yeah, okay, so he wasn't fond of playing because I know – um, I was talking to a good friend of ours, Troy Bowers, and, you know, um, he has relationships with a lot of NBA players, and he was telling me that Kobe Bryant used to fly his helicopter and actually landed on top of the Staples Center. So I was wondering if Kobe Bryant was actually flying a helicopter at this particular time when the accident happened, but, you know. Yeah, as, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I could be wrong. Um, I, right. know, I heard the same thing, but I heard that he had a pilot. Um, I heard that the pilot actually uh, communicated and inform people that they were having trouble. Um, so I, I, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know until all the details come out. Uh, I, I really don't know. I don't want to speculate on that. All right. So let's just touch up on Kobe Bryant, who was born, who was born I'm sorry, listeners, on August 23rd, 1978. Unfortunately, he left us on January 26, 2020. And... He played his entire 20-year career in the National Basketball Association with the L.A. Lakers. All right, he entered the draft directly from high school, won five NBA championships, and, you know, Bryant was, was an 18-time All-Star, 15-time member of the All-NBA team, 12-time member of the All-Defensive team, and the, he was a 2008 MVP Most Valuable Player, and not for nothing... He's, he's widely regarded as one of the greatest basketball players of all time, all right? He led the NBA in scoring during two seasons. He ranks fourth on the league's all-time regular season scoring list. He ranks fourth on the all-time postseason scoring list. And Kobe Bryant was the first guard in NBA history to play at least 20 seasons, Mad Mike. That's just a brief recap on a great career that Kobe Bryant had, arguably again, one of the greatest players to ever play the game of basketball. Some may say he's the greatest. Some may say he falls into the top five. He definitely falls into my top five, Matt Mike. Yeah, he, he, he definitely uh, falls into my top five. He makes my top three, actually. Um, the, the thing, I, I, without getting too far into his career, the thing about Kobe for me that always stood out, it wasn't just... You know, when, remember when he first broke broke in, we were like, oh, this Michael Jordan wannabe. Little did we know, Kobe Bryant, none, it wasn't just a wannabe. Like, like, there are very few people in this world, in the sports world, in any sport, that have not the, the winning gene, but, but that killer mentality, that, that desire to be great. Like, no one is ever going to be better than me simply because I won't allow it. Uh, he was as close to Michael Jordan as we've ever seen. And you can save me with the LeBron. I know that I knocked LeBron a lot. The difference between Kobe and LeBron was uh, when Kobe came in, Kobe came in when, when he was going to make his way. He was going to make his brand. He was going to make everybody acknowledge this isn't some Michael Jordan wannabe. Whereas we've seen LeBron on occasions, um, you know, not participate in a dunk contest for the sake of not hurting his brand. We, we saw the complete opposite of Kobe. Uh, the 80-point game against Toronto. Uh, just go to his final game, 60-point night. Only the, I, I always say him, Jordan, Jeter, they were going to go out on their terms. 
You know what I mean? Like you were gonna always replay that that night and say, Kobe went out the way only Kobe can go out. And that that's what I take from him. I agree. It's it's funny you 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 mentioned Derek Jeter because if I would compare him to another professional athlete in another sport, it would be it would definitely be Derek Jeter. As you mentioned, him dropping sixty, you know, and Derek Jeter getting his you know, getting the game winning hit and his final game. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Just Kobe Bryant's killer mentality. He had that killer mentality on a basketball court. And he made everybody around him better. Everybody. Everybody. You know, and he was he 41 years old. You know, you know that saying, a good dies young. That's that's the other thing that hurt. You know what I mean? For me, I'm like, I look at the, this, this, this guy, 41 years old, uh, Worth over five hundred million dollars, he's he's already done a life a lifetime worth of things, and at forty one years old, the sky was still the limit. You know, think about that. Think about everything he's accomplished in life, and and when you think about it, he only scratched the surface. He he's only started to be you know begin his second act, and this is why when 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 I hear people complain about the money. The, the the and I'm going off, but this is why when I hear people complain about the money these sports players make, I say to myself, you you have a kid here who who not a kid anymore. You have a man here that since he was a kid dedicated himself to his craft, did everything he could to become a the the, the what a top five all time great player in this league. Uh, to to now have his time to, you know, teach his daughter how to play. You know, just what was it last week, Lloyd? He was having this conversation um, with Jimmy Kimmel, I believe it was, about how his daughter's going to play in the NBA, and how she's like, "Don't worry, you don't need a boy. I, I got this." And and to me, it's like I look at all these things, and we complain about they're never going to spend all this money. They're never, yo. He didn't even get to enjoy it. He didn't even get to enjoy it. This is supposed to be his his second act. This is supposed to be where he enjoys the fruits of his labor. He doesn't even get to enjoy it. Yeah, such you know, so such a sad thing, and you know, when you talk to people, I'm sorry. When you talk to people, people always say, you know, that parents are, are you know are not supposed to be the ones to unfortunately bury their kids. That it's supposed to be the other way around. So you know, I can't even imagine. You know, no, I don't know what it's like. I don't have any kids, and you know, I don't know what it's like to lose a child. My uncle, you know, lost his daughter, which is my cousin, and this happened. You know, well over five years ago, listeners, and I could tell you right now that my uncle still, you know, suffers from, you know, the yeah, loss of, of, of losing his child. So yeah, you'll never be the same. And and the only the last thing I'll say on it, because uh, being that he lost his daughter, that it really hit home for me because I have two daughters. Uh, one thing that 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 really stands out to me, this was a special individual, not just because, you know, he was this world-class uh, basketball player. Like, look at all the things that he was doing. Look at everything that, that he was involved in. Um, and to me, he just had a newborn. His daughter is six months old. She's never, ever going to meet her father um, at a point where she's going to have memories of it. And she's never going to know how special he was outside of other people having to tell her. Great point. It's a great point. And, you know... Listeners, I mean, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's it's very shocking. I'm sure, you know, you got news on it. Me and Matt Mike, 
was getting a bunch of text messages and calls about us. So it's a shock to a lot of us, again, because Kobe Bryant was only 41 years old. And, you know, you figure he had a whole life ahead of him. Um, very unfortunate. But unfortunately also, you know, we have to move on to other things as well. So with that being said, you know, let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving, man. Mike, I know on last week's show, I touched up on Kyrie Irving and, you know, him throwing his teammates under the bus. And we had talked about it. And you wasn't happy about Kyrie Irving as well. And you said you had a bone to pick and you wanted to go in on Kyrie. So because I ran my mouth on last week's show, I'm going to just kind of pass the pill to you. And, you know, kind of let you do your thing and get some things off of your mind dealing with Kyrie Irving. Lord, he, he referred to himself in the same context as Julius Irving. In what world? What have you done in this day, in this league outside of being injury prone and riding LeBron's coattails to a championship? What have you done? Are you kidding me, Julius Irving? Not only Julius Irving, but Martin Luther King Jr.? Seriously? Come on, Lloyd. Martin Luther King, people, do your history. He, he, he didn't like capitalists. He, Martin Luther King Jr. is probably turning over in his grave thinking about the prices these people charge for sneakers with their names on it. You're going to compare yourself to that man of all people? You're going to criticize... that. It, you came here to win a championship with Kevin Durant. All it did was take, what, what month are we in, Lloyd? January? It took you three months into the season to realize that you need more? DeAndre Jordan's not enough? Jared Allen isn't enough? Uh, uh, what was Joe Harris? Mr. Dinwiddie, you know. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, now, 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 remember something. The league has, has, has embraced... The commercials, we see them. This this superstar duo. We're back to, to the big two instead of the big three. We're, 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 you know, where the NBA is going to thrive, the big duos. You're telling me that now you need three? That's a problem. To me, that's a problem. Not only that, but, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, he didn't really leave off Allen and Harris. He didn't mean that. You know, he wasn't going to sit there and name the whole team. Well, if you're not going to name the whole team, name nobody. Right? It's, it's all it's all of us and none of us. It's all of us or some of us. Don't name the team. Not only that, but here's something else people don't know. I don't even know if you know this, Lloyd. You know that, that the Cleveland Cavaliers once had Joe Harris and traded him? No, I actually LeBron didn't know that. Oh, yeah, go look that up. So to me, when I, I, I happened to know that, because I was like, you know, here's Joe Harris, uh, uh, like we said about uh, D'Angelo Russell, another guy, um, the net snag. Uh, you know, with, 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 with promise and, and developed it and helped build, you know what I mean? Like, like help build this guy's career up. And now here we are. We're going to leave him off the, the list of names? Come on, man. Kick rocks. How about you play like the superstar you get paid to be instead of always hurt? How about you actually take the time to make other people better for once in your career? You know what I mean? Like, like I'm tired of this. And maybe I'm more upset because, you know, these are the two guys that told you the New York Knicks were irrelevant, right? That's why we went. That's why they went to, to, to the Brooklyn Nets. And now these are the, this is the guy three months in, we need more help. We know that, that, that we don't have enough. Really? How special are you? 
When's the last superstar you heard say, I need more help? I need more. Outside of that, this is why we say we don't respect LeBron James, right? Because he's always looking for more. He's always looking for more. You're supposed to be the chosen one. You're the king. You're supposed to be able to throw us on your back and carry us. Well, Kyrie, you and your $200 million, you know, salary, you you need more help? The Nets, we, we said this. Me and you thought that the Nets, without Kevin Durant, had a, had, a, had a lackluster team. We thought that. And everyone else said, this is still a playoff team. You see a playoff team, Lloyd? Yeah, nah, they currently they holding the eighth seed and they don't I can't see them holding the eighth seed by the time the season is over with. Now I'll tell you something else. Kenny Atkin, Atkinson, who we love on this show, who's extremely loyal to his players, never says an insulting thing about anybody. He highlighted some of his team's issues. You know, especially during he said over the last twenty games, where I, I believe there's something like Three and seventeen, he said something something outrageous, like ridiculous. And he said that their biggest problem is their inability to defend the point guard position. He was clear it wasn't a shot at Kyrie, and he was clear it wasn't a shot at Spencer Dinwiddie. But he was praising all the other teams' abilities to develop non-traditional point guards. Philadelphia and Ben Simmons. Uh, he said Giannis and Milwaukee. LeBron running the point with the Lakers. But, Lloyd, between me and you, let's keep it real. He was sending a message. He knows Kyrie Irving defensively can't hang with those guys. So here's what I'm going to say to you. If you knew that this guy was going to actually ruin your team's defense to a point where you don't even try to play it anymore, where, where you're up and down the corridor on every given night, 120, 130 points, why did you sign him? Why did you sign him? Well, you know why they signed him. They signed him because it was because of Kevin Durant. And not only that, I just want to also throw this man Mike out there. And I don't know if I touched, I'm you know touched on this on last week's show. This is you know when he went to Boston, he had the opportunity to be a leader. And although there were other players on that team, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, that may have prevented him from being a leader, this was the first time, man, Mike, maybe outside of when LeBron left Cleveland, that he really had the opportunity to be a leader until Kevin Durant came back or showed that he can be a leader. And he's done the complete opposite. Like you said, this is not what leaders do. They don't do what he's doing. What, what, what's, what's Boston's what? Second, third in the East right now? I believe. Walker. Yeah, I believe Boston is second, I believe. They either second or third. Right? All they did was replace Kyrie Irving with, with Kemba Walker. And they lost and they lost Terry Rozier, who's I mean, he's 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 bowling out in Charlotte. Remember, and Al Horford. So, and, and the biggest problem they had with with, with Rozier had was, was Kyrie Irving. Was it not? And yeah. one of the reasons they were willing to lose him over Kyrie, they were still trying to keep Kyrie even after Kyrie basically Ruin their roster, ruin their team. Think about that. Rozier didn't have a problem with, with the other kids. He had a problem with, with Kyrie Irving, who, by the way, Doc Rivers is starting to have that same problem with Kawhi Leonard. It's it's the preferential treatment. They don't like it out in in, in, in L.A. with the Clippers. Yeah, there was reports that the, the rest of the team wasn't happy with the way Kawhi and Paul George were being treated as compared to how they were being treated. Because they're not being forced to practice as hard. 
because they're 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 the the other players. See, here's the thing with load management that no one talks about, and I know I'm getting off Kyrie, but uh, it kind of goes back to Kyrie. Here's the problem: it goes back to the superstar uh, accountability situation. When 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 other players are for like Kyrie, I'm I'm going to give Kawhi and 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 Paul George off today, so you guys have to step up and carry us. Oh. So that's how this works. So you're you're gonna let them practice lightly. I gotta practice harder, and now I gotta go and carry us like that. That's a problem, bro. That, that's a problem. And that that's just taking me back to to Kyrie because Kyrie carries himself differently. I don't necessarily know that he's treated differently, but in this case, would Kenny Atkinson allow someone else? Would he allow Jared Allen to come out and say the things that he he's forced to let Kyrie say? No, that's a great point. And in that case, you, now, now you're taking a coach who we love, who we know that a lot of people around the league love, who's really developed and built a lot of good relationships with, with, with their players. Now he's forced to treat guys differently, or he's forced to, to allow those guys to see him have to cater to, to this guy. You know what? Not for nothing. We saw it in New York with Carmelo Anthony. We, we did see it. We saw Amon Shumpert finally melt down and, and uh, get into a, to, to a fight with Melo on the benches. We saw it. We've seen the complaints. So it's like, you know, it, it, it's, I don't know, man. I just, I see it. I hear it. I don't, you know, I, 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 he's a kid that I know that we wanted him if it meant getting Durant. But he, he's not meant for this market. And, and not for nothing, I don't know if he's meant for any market. I, I just don't. I don't think Kyrie is, is I think he's a cancer. I think he's given enough, uh, us enough proof to prove that he's a cancer. And not only that, we did say that neither one of us feel that the Brooklyn Nets are going to win a championship with the roster that they have or with Kyrie and Kevin Durant on there. You know, not that they don't have a terrible roster. As you said, this team, this is a playoff team. This is a team that went to the playoffs last year. Yeah. But we also thought that they were ahead of schedule. And that's something else that, that people have to consider. We thought that they played above their head last year. We also know that they were a 500 team that that won like some crazy number, like 17 out of 18, right? So if you consider that and you take out that one run, uh, maybe they jumped ship. And, uh, you know, maybe they, they put, uh, you know, maybe maybe they were in the 2020 team is what I'm saying. Maybe they're still years away and now they're stuck spending money um, and the roster is not as good, you know. Think about it, right? They they they, they stopped playing uh, uh, Jared Allen, and now DeAndre Jordan's hurt, which we all knew was coming. And now they're they're shorthanded, and and Jared Allen is one of the guys that Kyrie alienated. So now we're asking. Here we go back to like the load management. Now we're asking a guy that we've already alienated. We're asking a guy that we've already taken out of the rotation once this year to come play harder and give his all to a team that's probably going to trade him. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, boy. It's crazy. This dude is, is, is like you said, he's, he's turning, he's a cancer. Everywhere he's gone, he's proving that he's a cancer. But before we take a break, let's just move on to the New York Knicks real quick, man, Mike, because I know you had a bone to pick with the New York Knicks. And the New York Knicks are having a season of disaster of uncharted territories right now. This is a team that I thought had enough talent on it 
to to make the playoffs in the week Eastern Conference. And I mean, boy, boy, what is what a mismatch of talent. I'm, I'm gonna say I have a, a few things. Go get, go right ahead. Again, I'm gonna let you have the floor, and then once you're done with this, we'll take a break and come back and you know talk some Eli Manning and a little bit of football. Uh, one Dennis Smith Jr. has to cut his hair, bro. I don't know what the hell is going on on top of his head, but he's got to cut his hair. I'm tired of this. Not only that, this guy, this kid is so out of shape. Have you seen him? He has no definition. Absolutely nowhere. Every time he plays, he's dry as a bone. And yo, it's crazy to me. Not only that, but here's the other thing I'm going to say. Lloyd, when you when you watch Dennis Smith Jr. play, because remember something, I, I remember that you wanted Malik Monk, who, by the way, is all of a sudden a Knicks, a Knicks uh, trade target. Uh, oh, my God, on that. But when I watch, I, I, I'll throw Malik Monk in there. When I watch Malik Monk, when I watch Dennis Smith Jr. and I watch Frank Nutkin play, I don't see, I'm telling you right now, I look at Frank and I see a much better basketball player. Go look at the just just for for Frank Nokino, who everyone says can't even dribble. He's got no handle. Go look at him lead the offense. Go let look at him dribble the ball, and go watch Der- Dennis Smith Jr. He looks so out of control. He, there's no development, no growth, nothing. And if you're the New York Knicks and your coaching staff who have yet to develop him, who who not for nothing, he should be the guy that I'm playing 35 minutes a game. After after trading for for uh, you know Chris Stapps for him, he looks terrible. He looks awful. He looks like he's gotten worse as a Nick. And can I just well, say, I'm, I'm, can I just say this, man, I'm, Mike? You know, again, like you said, there were reports that the Knicks are interested in Malik Monk, and the Knicks traded for Dennis Smith Jr. You know, these were two players that the Knicks could have drafted that they didn't draft. Why yeah, the hell? Like but 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 why in the hell are they into even entertaining this nonsense, man, Mike? Why? Why are they entertaining this nonsense, Malik Monk? You have Damian Dotson, you have Kevin Knox, you have R.J. Barry, you have Frank Nittalakina. Why are you entertaining the thought of trading for Malik Monk? It just makes no sense to me. This is what I'm telling you about this organization. This is what I'm telling you about the Knicks front office listeners. This organization is a joke. The front office is a joke. And I necessarily, look, I'm not going to say that the Scott Perry is is uh, the best GM. But, I mean, man, Mike, do you really think that Scott Perry, is these are his moves? Or do you think these are moves that are coming from Steve Mills? And Steve Mills is really the puppet master. See, I, I, I think that a uh, trade like Malik Monk, I think that is a, a Steve Mills move. Um, I think going after a guy like Dennis Smith Jr., I think that's a Steve Mills uh, move. And I'll tell you why. Uh, because we know one thing. We know like 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 Jim Dolan, James Dolan, we know Steve Mills is very sensitive and he's got his ear to the media all the time. So remember something. As soon as they drafted Frank Milikina, the first two names, like I said, that came out were Malik Monk and Dennis Smith Jr. How could you let that happen? Blah blah blah. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. came out on fire. He came out, as a matter of fact, just like 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 Kevin Knox did. Remember, uh, highlight dunk after highlight dunk. And then you look at them and you realize something. Exactly what I said on this show um, after the draft. You look at these guys and you realize how incomplete of a player they are. You realize how 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 much they don't play defense. How inconsistent their jump shots are. How much work their game really needs. But because they're Americans, um, the, the, the domestic kids, uh, 
we tend to give them more credit than they deserve. Like I said, if Frank Nokina had Kentucky uh, across his chest, I don't think one person would have had a problem with that draft pick. I don't. Um, but, you know, Julius Randle. We, we see Julius Randle on a night-in, night-out basis. And look how incomplete of a player he is. He went to Kentucky. Look how, at 25 years old, look how incomplete he still is as a player. So I, I think that those are, are Steve Mills moves. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, I have something for Scott Perry, too. Because let me tell you something. Uh, you know, the report came out this week. The stats came out uh, last week, rather. And um, the Knicks are second. They play, uh, they give the second most minutes in the NBA to players under 22 years of age in the league. The only team that plays 22 or younger uh, kids uh, were the Atlanta Hawks. So here's the thing with, with that. So So you would think that, the New York Knicks are giving a lot of their minutes to the kids, right? Like, hey, you know what, man, Mike? What's your problem? They're developing the kids. They are playing them. They have the second most minutes given. My issue with that is if you take R.J. Barrett out of the mix, remember, R.J. has the most minutes played for a rookie this season prior to the injury. If you take R.J. Barrett out of that mix, the New York Knicks don't give one kid under 22 23 minutes a game. Now, not even Mitchell Robinson averages 23 minutes a game. Think about that for a second. Not one of them. So the Knicks would fall down uh, considerably down that list of, of developing and giving minutes to kids. Not only that, do you, did you see what the starting lineup was against uh, uh, the Brooklyn Nets yesterday? Julius Randle, Mar- Marcus Morris, Reggie Bullock, Alfred Payton, and Taz Gibson. And that's been a star lineup for the last couple games, man, Mike. So, so. Uh, well, outside of when R.J. Barrett hurt him, I think R.J. Barrett was starting, but once he injured himself, it was like, well, damn the, damn all the young guys. Yeah, he, well, he put, but that's, that's what the point I'm trying to prove to you. He put uh, Reggie Bullock in there um, once R.J. got hurt. If, if you take R.J.'s minutes out, the Knicks are not trying to develop anybody. Who are they trying to develop? Yeah. And, Lloyd, let me tell you something else. If you're this front office, shame on you that you ever let it leak out last week that you basically had a a playoff mandate, that your coach knew that it was playoffs or bust, that he could potentially be fired if this team did not contend for a playoff spot. How could you let that out with the plan they had in place? Lloyd, go look at the numbers. I I, I went and looked this, this up. Lloyd, they signed Julius Randle, they signed Taj Gibson, they signed Marcus Morris, they signed Bobby Portis, all to play the front court. Tell me for their career which one of those players averages 10 rebounds a game. Tell me. Yeah, boy. Uh, Tell me. I, <laughs> I just gave you four players that they rebuilt their front court with. Not one of them averages 10 rebounds a game for their career. Not one of them averages two block shots per game for their career. Not even one and a half block shots per game for their career. You built a front line, a front court with weak, degenerate, has-been runoffs. Not one of them who makes their teams better. And save me the Marcus Morris stuff. Because before last year, the Morris brothers are always this hot commodity. And people can't get rid of them fast enough. They were out there welcome. Look, go look at it. Outside of their time in Phoenix, they haven't spent two years anywhere. That's not being made up. 
Then not only that, man, Mike, like, they're not even, they're, I mean, Marcus, Marcus Morris is probably the best player on the Knicks roster right now. And I'm hearing reports that they're thinking about keeping him. For what? And then, and then that's, that's, that's the other thing. That's exactly. This is what I was saying, man. I, I got real problems with that. Because if now, now, now you're going to trade, you're going to keep him. So these one-year contracts, if you're signing someone for one year and now you're going to keep him, it's a wasted year. They, they signed guys that they thought were actually going to have real, real uh, value on a market. It's terrible. Wayne Ellington can't get even get get off the bench for a twelve win New York Knicks team. Think about that. Yeah. How the hell does that happen? Not only that, but why? Why if you draft if you remember the draft happened in June, so if you draft RJ Barrett, we didn't know if RJ was going to be a two or a three, but if you draft him and you know you want you're going to put him at the two, why the hell did you sign Reggie Bullock and Wayne Ellington? Because that, you know what, that was all their, them going to Dolan and telling Dolan that we could, this team is good enough to make the playoffs. And right now, and right now, man, Mike, and right now, listeners, the reason why the Knicks are playing the players that they're playing is because I would have hoped, I would have hoped to think that Dolan gave them an ultimatum that either this team gets here or all of you are fired. I don't think that's going to happen. But I hope that's the I hope that's the reason why they're playing these dudes like this. But but here's 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 gonna be something else, Lloyd, right? So remember one one of the guys, and take take away the fact that I absolutely love uh, D'Angelo Russell um, this offseason. Take take away the fact that I said if 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 you're gonna sign Randall, it has to be a company with a guy like D'Angelo Russell. Uh, take that out out for one second. Who was the one big man that I said that's the guy that that I would have signed? Um, over all of these guys, over Taj Gibson, over all of them. Who's the one kid? Do you remember who I said? He was a big guy? I, I can't. Yeah, yeah I, I can't remember, man. I'm sorry. Willie Cauley Stein. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. He went to Golden State, and I said, this is a kid that uh, he was somebody that you consider drafting in the year you took KP. He's a big man. He could run the floor. He plays defense. He rebounds the ball. He'd be a perfect, if you're going to lose DeAndre Jordan, He'd be a perfect guy to develop in the system with Mitchell Robinson because he's a similar player. And Willie Coley Stein got traded on Friday to the Dallas Mavericks. So here you are signing all these big men you think that are going to have trade value. And the one guy that I really liked got traded. Got traded. Oh, boy. It is. Golden, State ended up, Golden State ended up with a $12 million trade exception and a second-round pick for him. Think yeah. about that for a second. Well, listen. So, it, so, so if man Mike can figure out, look at look at look at uh, the board, and figure out what guys, if you can develop them, would have some serious serious value in a trade. Think about that. We keep on banging our head with this organization, man. It's a joke. What a joke! But listen, as we I got, did have a, I did have a trade. Oh, I'm sorry. Go get ahead. no. Go ahead. Get. No, I was going to say I had a, a, a little trades uh, concept that might work for both teams. And, and I think that if, if the New York Knicks crash was serious enough to, to consider or smart enough to throw it out there, um, it would get considered. Uh, and you're going to be like, Mike, you're crazy. It'll never happen. But not that far off. How about Julius Randle for D'Angelo Russell straight up? They make similar money. 
Uh, Julius Randle has one one less year on his contract. Uh, and before you say, Mike, why would they do that? Um, with Clay Thompson getting ready to come back, you would think that he's a shooting guard. You would think D'Angelo Russell is going to end up being a bench player. And with the way that uh, they play, they use versatile big men in Golden State, I think a team of Julius Randle, uh, Draymond Green, Clay, and, and Steph is not necessarily a bad uh, starting four towards a championship. And the Knicks would end up getting their point guard. Well, here's the thing, man. Mike, I'm not going to say you're crazy in any way, shape, size, or form when it comes to anybody on this particular roster because I'm not married to anybody wearing a New York Knicks uniform right now. Maybe Mitchell Robinson. You know, Damian Dotson has been playing really well when given an opportunity. What happens when, what happens when R.J. Barrett comes back? That puts him right back on the bench again, probably. No, no, because D'Angelo would be a point guard. No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm just saying, like, this is why I'm not married to anybody on the Knicks roster outside of those two guys. Anybody else, I'm okay with, I'm okay with leaving. I'm okay with anybody not named Mitchell Robinson or Damon Dotson being traded from this team. I can't think anybody, I know you, I know you like Frank Nittalakina. Whatever the case may be, and I get it, but I don't know what happened. What's going to take for this organization to start developing their young talent? What's, what is it going to take, Matt Mike? Coaching staff. That's the thing. This this team, if you think about it, this this team is front office. Um, they've never ever fully committed to developing young players, so they've never ever signed on a whole coaching staff that that's their belief. You know, they tell us David Fisdale uh, developed the youth, but we don't know that. Like I said before, uh, Mario Chalmers is one of the people that everyone throws out there and how instrumental he was. What was Mario Chalmers? Was he anything special? Mario Chalmers wasn't a superstar. He was a solid role player on a championship-level team that had three Hall of Famers on it. LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and and Chris Bosh. So... When, when, when. The reason I'm saying that is the Knicks have to they, they have to figure out what they are, what they're looking for, and they need to get a coach that 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 can develop that that believes from a grassroots perspective. Um, that's where success starts. Kenny Atkinson did that in in, in Brooklyn. That's a, you know that's the difference. Spencer Dinwiddie, who was he? Joe Harris, who was he? Jared Allen, who was he? Karis LeVert, who were they? These, these were not free agent signings. These were guys that they, they either drafted or brought in and committed, committed to their development through a coach that believes in development. The New York Knicks have not done that. Every single chance they've had, they've gone and signed the wrong guy. They signed Mike D'Antoni once because they thought he appealed to, to free agents. This last go-around, they really thought David Fisdale was a player's guy and the players loved him. That's the reason that, that he, got, he got signed. And that's why this organization is a joke. With that being said, listeners, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We come back, we're going to talk some Eli Manning as he has finally decided to hang up his cleats. And me and Matt Mike are going to discuss, is he a Hall of Fame quarterback? So we'll be right back with more of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Matt Mike Sports Talk Show. So I don't really want to like run an ad or anything like that, run a commercial. Um, I tend not to do that on you know, any podcast episodes that are dedicated or partially dedicated to somebody that just passed away. And obviously, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant, as everybody know, knows at age 41 passed away. 
uh, yesterday, along with his daughter, Gianna, who was 13. Uh, nine people total in that helicopter crash. So, you know, more so than anything else, um, you know, your thoughts um, go to their loved ones, their families, their friends, you know, anybody that's, you know, directly affected. And then, of course, you know, in, in the case of Kobe, you know, people like myself, anybody that's a fan of the game of basketball or grew up watching Kobe, um, just like we've watched so many other players that we've come to admire and, you know, really get joy out of watching them uh, perform at the highest of levels. You know, it affects everybody in some way, shape or form, you know, because that's the the impact that you have on people when your star shines as brightly as Kobe's did. So, yeah, no, uh, no commercial. You know, we'll just get back into the second half of the show. But very, very sad, very, very tragic accident. And you hate to see something like that happen, especially when there's kids involved. You know, you have people that weren't even able to really uh, get into, you know, living their lives, really. You know, their life was just starting. And it's a shame, it's sad, and it sucks. But, you know, it's kind of my thoughts on that. So let's get back into the second half of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Show. Welcome back to the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show listeners. Again, the first part of the show, we talked about, you know, the unfortunate, uh, sad news of Kobe Bryant uh, passing away in a helicopter crash. We also talked some Kyrie Irving and some New York Knicks basketball as Mad Mike gave his pointers on why he's, you know, upset with Kyrie and upset with the New York Knicks organization. And rightfully so, he's spot on with that. But let's talk about Eli Manning. Um who will probably be forever remembered as the ultimate New York Giant, all right? Now, listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say that, um, Eli Manning retired from the NFL. He announced his retirement um, last week, uh, finally hanging him up. And Eli Manning, he didn't grow up a Giants fan, you know, the way Derek Jeter grew up a Yankees fan. But in the end, you know, there was no bigger Giants fan than Eli Manning, no other franchise he probably ever wanted to play for, no other uniform he wanted to wear other than his number 10. All right. And so he hangs it up. And we get to thank him or some Giants fans get to thank him. For memories one more time, all right? And what I mean by that, he is the two-time Super Bowl winning championship. He beat the New England Patriots team that might have been considered one of the greatest teams of all time, all right? The 210-game Ironman streak outdoing Brett Favre in the 2007 NFC Championship and that Arctic Green Bay weather. Taking a licking and keep on ticking in the 2011 NFL champion NFC Championship game in San Francisco. He did have class. He did have dignity. He did have integrity. And he's going to say goodbye to the New York Football Giants. Now, was he on a decline? Was he was he on a decline? Yes, he was. Definitely wasn't the same quarterback that we've seen. So this might have been the best time for him to hang it up. Do I think this organization could have handled the tail end of his career a lot differently, Mad Mike and listeners? Hell yes. Hell yes. I thought that they could have handled it differently. 
And with that being said, man, Mike, okay, I believe Eli Manning is stone for over 50,000 yards, if I'm correct. Two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback, two-time MVP Super Bowl uh, quarterback. Do you think that Eli Manning has done enough? And this is the great debate. Do you think that he's done enough in his NFL career, man, Mike, to be worthy of a hall of, of, of earning that gold jacket and being a member of the Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame? Will he? Yes, he will. Do I think he he deserves it? No, I don't. And I know a lot of people say it's just hate, but I, I don't think it is. I think when you look at his career, I, I think. Yeah, he was one. He was five hundred. He was one seventeen and one seventeen. His win loss record. Correct. And, and if you look at his career, I was, and, and I hate to say, it, I always say, it and it sounds terrible, but outside of he, how many years did he play? Fourteen year career, right? Something like that. Fifteen year. career? Yes, I think fifth. I outside, believe it was. I believe it was around there. Yeah, and outside of the the two Super Bowl runs. He never won a playoff game in, in another yeah. in another season. Yeah, never won a playoff game. He either lost in the in the he even lost a game that they played in, or they didn't make the playoffs at all. Correct. So when I look at that, I say, you know, Hall of Fame is not supposed to be about the guy that got hot. You know what I mean? Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Joe Flacco is not a Hall of Famer. Joe Flacco got hot. He's a champion. Not only that, but. I think, uh, you, you know, when you look at it, Eli Manning wasn't the Super Bowl MVP of that first win. I don't know. I, 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 I'm sure you can make the argument for him in the second one. Eli Manning wasn't. It, what it was is there was no one else to give it to. That defense was the Super Bowl MVP. He, he, he was nothing close to the Super Bowl MVP. I think you could get some guys that will make the argument that David Tyree or Plaxico Burris or rather, Plaxico Burris should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl that year. You know what I mean? He he, he didn't deserve the Super Bowl MVP. It's just a matter of who are you going to give it to at that at that point. He didn't deserve it. So uh, I think that comes with an asterisk. Um, you're talking about a guy that was routinely 15, 16 interceptions a, a game. And and before you say, well, Mad Mike, I mean, there's other guys that have more interceptions in the Hall of Fame. Can we both agree that they play, he played in an era that was specifically designed, that was specifically uh, built on offense for fantasy football reasons, where all the rules were built to help the offense, and he still had that many interceptions? He still had that low of a completion percentage? Remember something else. The only reason his completion percentage is what it is, Lloyd, is because they went to a, such a conservative offense uh, in the final two years of his career. Eli Manning wasn't a 70% completion guy. He wasn't even a 65% completion guy. He was a low 60s, high 50s guy. Go look it up. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I'm a Giants fan, and I don't think he's, he's worthy of, of, of entering the Hall of Fame, although I think he's going to enter the Hall of Fame. Off the simple fact, like you said, and I point that out to people that I get into disagreements about with about Eli Manning is that outside of the two times that he won the Super Bowl, the two times that the two years that the Giants won the Super Bowl, he either got knocked out the first game in the playoffs or he didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, and the Hall of Fame is built for people on a, on a, on a week where Derek Jeter made the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't even get told about that. On a week where he makes the Hall of Fame, we're having this conversation. 
he was sustained excellence. He was sustained greatness. He reached the pinnacle five times. He went to seven World Series, Derek Jeter. He he was top five in most hits in, in MLB. I believe he actually ended his career second on an all-time hit list and probably would have got to 4,000 had he not lost those last two years to injury. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about DJ. I forgot about that. I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to talk about him as we move on to the cheating donkeys, Houston Astros. We're going to talk about Derek Jeter. Um, what you know, I'm just saying is, what I'm trying to point out is, Eli Manning, at no point in his career, was there ever sustained excellence where he should be considered a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Well, I mean, you find one season. I, I just you find one season for me where you ever looked at him and and thought to yourself, top top three guy, top five guy. Did he ever finish in the top five in MVPs? No, I think he had one year where he threw for over four thousand yards. I think did he have one year or was it? Did he have a year where he threw over four thousand? I know he threw for over. He, he, yeah, he I think so. Yeah, he had a couple, uh, but but you know, so I'm looking at it and I'm saying. Once again, Lloyd, we're, we're talking about a different era. We're talking about an era where the only guy to ever throw for 5,000 yards was Dan Marino until like five, uh, what, like five or six years ago. Now, all of a sudden, everybody was doing it. Remember, Drew Brees did it like three or four years in a row. So, you know what? Something that was special for about 20, 25 years with Dan Marino became unspecial because of what these rules did. It's like the home run. When you cheapen things, you can't history. You, you can't view history. You, 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 know, you have to view history in a vacuum. You have to view history by error. By error, he's not a top five quarterback. He wasn't a top five quarterback of his era. And and to to say, well, look at his numbers compared to Dan Marino. Well, I I, I make the argument with you right now, here and now, that Dan Marino would have played twenty years in the NFL and would have approached 100,000 yards for his career in this era. Yeah, I mean, you know, back in that era, you ran the ball more than you passed it. You had conventional-style offenses where it was just two wideouts and a tight end, a fullback and a tailback. And now, you you know, you have... Took a pounding. <laughs> yeah. You were allowed to hit quarterbacks... Everywhere yeah. it wasn't. You can't touch quarterbacks uh, uh, above the shoulder, and you can't touch quarterbacks below the below the knees. You didn't have that kind of protection. And on top of that, remember something: the wide receivers, you you weren't allowed to touch. Remember, you didn't have to let go. They have this this five yard rule now. Remember, back in the days, that rule did not exist. There's nothing the NFL has done to help defenses. They've done everything to handicap defenses for the, the sake of the offensive explosion. This is not Mad Mike the old man on telling people kids get off his lawn. This is just me telling you facts. You can't look at his numbers and compare them to Dan Marino. Because Dan Marino would be... I, I, I can't even explain. I don't think... Our, I don't know how many of our listeners even saw Dan Marino to understand what I'm telling them. Drew Brees doesn't belong in the same category as Dan Marino or Joe Montana. That's why this Tom Brady talk blows my mind. Tom Brady. Who mind you, Tom Brady retired. Listeners, just throwing that out there. Tom Brady did retire. When? Uh, I believe he, I, I heard that he retired last week. 
I didn't hear that. Yeah, I heard that he was. I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know if you have something where we can, if we have something where we can check online real quick. To uh. I I know that he's a free agent and not guaranteed to go back to New England, but I didn't I didn't know he retired. All right, all right so while while you're talking about what you're talking about, let me look up and see if uh Tom Brady has retired. So you get in, continue your thought. I'm no, sorry. No, I just I just want I want people to realize that like when we have this this these conversations, the goat, the, this stuff is silly to me because you you can't look at at, at sports. You have to look at at things and and. By era, like look, look at look at baseball, look, look at look at the home run record. All everyone talks about PEDs. What do you think is more detrimental to the game, PEDs or juice baseball? PEDs or sign stealing? You know uh, what I mean? Like, and that's how you got to look at football. You got to look at football in the same context. Uh, all right, so listen, listeners, I'm sorry, I stand corrected. Um, Tom Brady tweeted out on Instagram that he won't retire. Mm-hmm. So Tom Brady hasn't retired. So forgive yeah, me for forgiving. For, so forgive me for giving that news that probably had you jump out of your skin for a split second. Yeah, I was just gonna say the world is. If you're telling me Tom Brady retired uh, between Tom Brady and Kobe Bryant in, in, in one day, it's a little. Bit well, I mean, I, I saw your reaction, which made me be like, yeah, maybe I need to double check this real quick because you was like, what? <laughs> so. You know, with that being said, there was also a senior bowl that was played over the weekend, listeners, and, you know, the 2020 senior bowl is over, but that game only tells a small tale, in my opinion, and draft stock is is rated, you know, during the week, and there were plenty of guys who saw, in my opinion, who saw their 2020 NFL draft stock rise, and the senior bowl proved that the 2020 NFL draft has arguably the deepest wide receiver class in years. And all it didn't hurt that the defensive backs in the mobile, you know, left some to, something to be desired. But however, there were a few players that made the list, in my opinion, that made my list, man, Mike. And I'm going to say Darnay Holmes from UCLA. You know, he was a player who earned some buzz as a guy who can match up against big slots and tight ends. You know, and a small school, a small school guy, Georgia Southern's Kendall Vilder, also made a name for himself, in my opinion, with the pick and forcing a potential touchdown reception out of bounds in the game. Uh, the offensive lineman that helped themselves, out of my opinion, Logan Steinberg, an offensive guard from Kentucky. He gave a much-needed boost to a weak draft class. Houston offensive tackle Josh Jones gave his quarterbacks all day to throw the damn ball. And, you know, he's a 6'7", 310-pound tackle. And there were some backs who made a name for themselves as well, like LaMichael Piron, who continues to oppress and earn recognition. Is, yeah. Antonio Gibson, a do-it-all running back from Memphis, was another running back who made some money, proving he can run between the tackles. I thought Justin Herbert solidified himself as a top 10 pick. Jordan Love couldn't get much going. Jalen Hurts didn't have enough time, you know, on Saturday to help or hurt himself, in my opinion. I don't, I don't, I see this thing. I don't, I don't even think we, you know, it's funny. I didn't even get to talk about the national championship either when I, uh, not being on the show last week. But uh, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be 
a quarterback in the NFL, and I think it's time for people to just acknowledge it. The guy can't throw guys open. He doesn't make his receivers better. And in the NFL, where, where even the, the wackest cornerback is better than the best cornerback in college, um, I, I think you need uh, arm talent at the quarterback position. I don't think it's, it's where we, we live in a, in a day where um, you can draft a quarterback uh, who relies strictly on huge windows and is his wide receivers to win every matchup. I just don't think that uh, Jalen Hurts is, is um, he's a quarterback at the next level. I could be wrong, but I, I, don't, I don't see it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to him. Um, unless he kind of is one of those quarterbacks that end up off the radar and catch on and ends up getting an opportunity and proves something other than what I have him as being in my eyes. You know, I think he's one of those quarterbacks, man, Mike, that he has to fit into the right system for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like everybody said, uh, he's got to end up going to a team uh, where they are committed to a mobile quarterback um, and they accept that mobile quarterback's uh, pitfalls as a passer. Um, and I know it seems easy to be like, oh, he needs to go to Baltimore. I don't necessarily think that's the case because I don't want to undersell uh, Lamar Jackson as a thrower. I think Lamar Jackson is a hell of a passer. Um, I think that I, I don't know that there's a, a place for him. I just don't. I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm being honest, and I, I'm trying not to hate the guy, but uh, we saw it in the SEC, man. We saw what the Alabama, you know, is, is, is Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy first-round draft picks if Jalen Hurts is passing him the ball instead of Tua Tagovailoa? And if the answer is no, then you got, you know what I mean? Then if the answer is no, then I think we both know that Jalen Hurts is not a quarterback at the next level. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. And listeners, you know, it's almost that time where, you know, we're going to do our, our draft, you know, our, our mock draft, our NFL mock draft. Um, you know, we're going to touch up on that. But before we move on to Derek Jeter and congratulating him, well, on this home. I do want to say um, one one senior, one senior that stood out to me. I'm sorry, Matt, Mike. I didn't mean to let you give your your thoughts on who you thought stood out. I'm sorry. Well, no, I had I had one I had one guy that that you didn't mention. Um, so I won't rehash everybody else. But Van Jefferson, I thought Van Jefferson, um, absolutely showed that that he's probably as far as footwork goes. Um, it helps that his daddy is a safeties coach in the NFL, but um. He showed between his footwork, he had guys in knots uh, uh, reportedly all week. Um, he was just showing better, uh, better, more athletic wide receivers and more athletic defensive backs. He was just putting them to, to work with his footwork. Uh, we're talking about a guy that people say has better footwork than Amari Cooper. And people say Amari Cooper has the best feet in the, in the game at wide receiver. Um, he stood out all week. And um, it, 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 to me, I think uh, for a fact that uh, I think he solidified himself. People had a, a third-round grade on him. Um, I think that uh, because of his explosiveness, and they say that he's not going to separate at the next level, um, but I think he's a second-rounder. I think people are going to look at him and, and all the things they said about him or what they said about Jarvis Landry. And I think if you could do a redraft now, Jarvis Landry wouldn't be a third-rounder. Yeah, I agree, 1,000%. 1,000%. So, I mean, I know I know the listeners get excited about our mock drafts. Um, but, again, you know, before I cut Matt Mike off, listeners, you know, I just wanted to uh, give our uh, picks for the Super Bowl that's coming up. 
Um, you know, before we move on to congratulating Derek Jeter for entering the Hall of Fame. So real quick, man, Mike, we have the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers in this upcoming Super Bowl uh, that's taking place this coming Sunday. Real quick, who do you have winning this game? And real quick, why do you have them winning this game? Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs winning this game, and it's not because they're the sexy pick and because they have the most explosive offense. Um, it's because they showed the ability to come back during this playoffs, whereas San Fran has played from ahead the entire playoff. Um, and it's because while everyone looks at them and says, well, they had the 29th ranked uh, run defense, I look at them and I say, they've been a really solid run defense ever since they got, uh, they signed Terrell Suggs uh, to help man, man um, that middle. And they've, you know, just been playing pretty solid deep. They started slow, but uh, they just shut down uh, the hottest player in football. And um, uh, I'm uh, crap. I'm forgetting. Derrick Henry running back. Derrick Henry. Boom. And you know they held them to seven yards in, in the second half. And I think that they're going to ride that momentum to a victory. Yeah, I have I have Kansas City winning as well. I think their offense um, is more potent, and I think. The key to this whole thing, in my opinion, man, Mike, is is Pat Mahomes. And when you compare Pat Mahomes to Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, I was saying on last week's show that the thing between Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson is that Lamar Jackson is a run-first quarterback and a, and a pass-second quarterback. And Pat Mahomes is a pass-first quarterback and a quarterback that's mobile enough to move around out the pocket and create things with his feet. You want to hear something crazy? Want to hear a crazy stat about Pat Mahomes? And this is why I, I highlighted the fact that they, they trailed by 10 or more in both playoff games and came back to win. In his career, when trailing by 10, 10 points or less in a game, he is 5-4. and four. He has a 55% win percentage since he came into the league when trailing by 10 or more. Do you know what the rest of the league's win percentage across the board is? I'm going to take a guess and say about 38%. 17%. <laughs> yeah. So consider that. So for the most part, every quarterback in the NFL is a front runner. That's that. That's exactly what that stat says. That stat says that almost every quarterback in the NFL, when they're down by double digits, don't come back. Their team knows that they have a shot only 17% of the time. When they tell you, even when we're down, we believe in this kid, it's 55% win percentage when trailing by 10 points or more tells you that his team believes in it, he believes in it, and his coach believes in it. And the crazy part about it is I do believe that San Francisco's defense is better than Kansas City's defense. I just don't I think, think so I, I just don't think their offense is nowhere near as good as Kansas City's offense. Nope. And the other thing is, uh, unfortunately for, for San Fran, I think in this game, you can't hide Richard Sherman. For everyone that, that Richard Sherman, you know, his fight with, with Darrell Rivas, Darrell Rivas is not wrong. You play in a zone, and and no matter who who your guy is supposed to be, you you don't you don't switch. You just play in that zone. They can't. They're gonna get burnt that way with him. Yeah, yeah, Watkins. Yeah, Sammy. Yeah, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyreek Hill can fly. They're gonna have to figure a way out. And once you start double teaming guys, Pat Mahomes is gonna eat you alive. Amen. Yeah, that's that's spot on, spot on. But we'll we'll touch up on that also, listeners. But let's move on to congratulating 
Derek Sanderson Jeter, one of the greatest New York Yankees of all time on getting into the Hall of Fame. And Jeter spent his entire 20-year career with the New York Yankees. He was elected into the Hall of Fame as part of the 2020 class. He received 99.7% of the votes, the second highest percentage in Major League Baseball history, and the highest by a positional player. I don't know who the hell didn't vote for Derek Jeter, but whoever didn't vote for Derek Jeter needs to be lined up against the wall and allow people to throw eggs at him. All right, get this, listeners. This is why I don't understand why he didn't get 100% of the votes. A five-time World Series champion, all right, He's regarded as one of the primary contributors to the Yankees' success in the late 1990s and early 2000s for hitting, base running, fielding, leadership. He's the Yankees' all-time career leader in hits, doubles, games played, stolen bases, times on base, played appearances, at-bats. His accolades, listeners, include 14 All-Star selections. Five Gold Glove Awards, five Silver Slugger Awards, two Hank Aaron Awards, a Roberto Clemente Award. Derek Jeter was the 28th player to reach 3,000 hits and finish his career ranked sixth in Major League Baseball history and career hits and first among shortstops. In 2017, the Yankees retired his number. How in the hell is that not 100%? But you want to, I, 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 look, look, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, but I'm not going to raise hell now. Um, I, I just, I don't want to be a hypocrite for raising hell now because he's a Yankee and, you know, we, we could sit here and talk about it, right? Because we've watched him two years. Um, he had two MVP type seasons and both years he got, he got beat out. Um, and it's funny because I use, I use this this specific example all the time to defend the Yankees. He got beat out by Ichiro Suzuki, uh, who everyone uh, knew was should have uh, who won the Rookie of the Year and the MVP that year. And at that time, uh, everyone was all on board with with Japanese players winning the Rookie of the Year, this and that, uh, which they then used that same argument against him later on against uh, Hideki Matsui because he was a Yankee. Oh well, he's not really a rookie. He's got all this experience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, um, he never won an MVP, and, and that's something that people will throw in your face. He's, he's never been uh, the number one player at his position, um, whether you want to acknowledge the fact that he did it clean while the other guys, no more Garcia Parra, Alex Rodriguez, were on the, on the juice. Um, hard to say he wasn't the number one player, uh, but if you look at his numbers, he's a top, he's top three shortstop of all time, numbers-wise. So I, I just don't see, you're right, I don't see. But at the same time, Ken Griffey Jr. wasn't 100%. And I don't know how you can make the argument against him either. So, Great point. Great point. All right, now let's move on. Before we get on to your rant for the week, let's move on to the Houston Astros. And I gave my opinion on the Houston Astros and how I felt that in Major League Baseball, um, you know, they... I was hoping that they didn't drop the ball with this. And they dropped the ball with it. As none of the players that were involved in the Houston Astros, even though the managers were punished, the GM was punished, 
none of the current players that are on his team that were also accused of wearing objects under their jerseys that was, listen, there, there was evidence points towards that they had this going on. Those guys weren't punished, and apparently they were set to give an apology? I don't even, I'm going to just let you say what you got to say, Mad Mike, about this, but this is, I'm utterly disappointed in Major League Baseball. I kind of had a feeling that they were going to drop the ball with this, and they 1,000% did drop the ball with this. I don't even know what to yeah, say. I'm at a loss of words right now. I really am. I'll be honest. In the beginning, I was like, MLB uh, dropped a hammer. Uh, we've never seen anything like this. I was in full support of them. I thought that they did an amazing job. Uh, Hinch was suspended for the entire year. Luna was suspended for the entire year. Um, them getting fired later on was some completely different, which started a whole chain of events that kind of permeated the sport, had the sport on lockdown for like 10 days, uh, which I'll touch on in a second. But uh, they took away first-rounders and second-rounders uh, for back-to-back uh, -back years, which a lot of people are like, well, um, you know, Mad Mike, not a big deal. They, they, you're not going to feel those effects for five years down the road. That's not true. That's not true at all. Remember something. Um, if they ever have the need to sign a player in free agency, they're going to lose a pick. In baseball, you lose your highest pick. So if they decided to sign a free agent um, in any given year, we're talking about a team that might not pick until the fourth round. If they decide to sign two players, we're talking about a team that might not pick until the fifth round of their draft, their next draft. We're talking about a team that uh, is coming up on, on big-time money contracts for guys like George Springer, for guys like Carlos Correa. Uh, so if you want to offset some of those monies, you have to be able to, to develop players. So that is a big-time loss. Then I said to myself, you know, wait a minute. I started looking at it the way you did, and I said, but they named Carlos Beltran. He was a player at the time. They felt that they can name Carlos Beltran now. Why? Because he's a coach. Well, that coach just lost his job for something he did as a player. So why should a coach lose his, you know, Alex Cora to me was different. Alex Cora cheated in Boston. Alex Cora cheated as a coach in, in, um, in Houston. He should be suspended. He should lose his job. But Carlos Beltran didn't do anything as a coach. He did something as a player. And he should, be, he should have been treated the same way those players were treated. You gave those players immunity for their honest testimony. That's exactly what came out this week. Carlos Beltran should have been granted immunity too because he was a player. And if Carlos Beltran, which by all accounts he was 100% honest, they should have never named him in that report. I, I do have a big-time problem with it. Not only that, but you know when you get these reports, and multiple people had told me, I actually had heard that from multiple people before Carlos Beltran's niece went public. I, I was told for a fact Jose Altuve was wearing a device and knew exactly what pitch was coming. And someone else shared something with me, an ex-player, that said, yeah, you can tell he knew what was coming. And here's why, Lloyd, and you're a baseball player. And I don't even know if you've heard this. I don't know if you've ever even considered this. What kind of pitch did he hit out of the park to, to walk off the Yankees in this year's playoff? It was a high outside slider. If you don't know what's coming, ever, if you don't know what's coming, number one, 
you're never going to swing at a high outside slider. Why? Because unless you know it's a slider, you don't think that that pitch is ever going to break back into the zone or anywhere around the plate. You think it's going to be a wild pitch. That's number one. That's not a pitch that unless you know what's coming, you'd even consider swinging at. That's one. Two, an outside slider is not a pitch that you ever see pulled. Why? Because it's a, you know, most outside sliders get emergency hacks. You're going to take it to right field. The only time you're going to swing at a high outside slider and have the kind of the swing he had and pull it for a home run is if you know what's coming. You're absolutely right. That's a great point. Pitch on the outer part of the plate, you got to take that to right field. He was all over that, man. All over it. And let's talk about the fact that you want to talk about that they don't strike out as much. Fine. We know why they don't strike out as much. When you know what's coming, you could put you could put the wood on the ball. Even if it's a really good pitch, you could foul it off, right? Well, here's something else we, 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 we never really consider. They're stolen bases. It's easy to run when you know what's coming. If you hear a trash can banging for a curveball, you know that you're going to get a better, you can get a good jump, and you know that the, that, that you have a better shot at, at stealing the base on a curveball than you do on a fastball. Why is that team able to put so much pressure and stay aggressive? They know what's coming. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still shocked at base. I, I can't believe baseball. Uh, not that I can't believe it. It doesn't surprise me, but still, man, holy crap, man. So, holy yeah, crap. to me, uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, they, they how, how did these players? How did these players survive? When you look at the fact, Aaron Judge had a huge argument that he was the MVP that year. On the face of the numbers alone, he he had better numbers in every statistical category except two. He was better than Altuve in every category except two: strikeouts and batting average. And then you hear this, and you're saying. How the hell, how the hell is Aaron Judge supposed to look these guys in the face and not feel robbed? And not only that, you cut this immunity deal with them, MLB, and now that they, they just go in their smug lies and they laugh and they, no, nah, none of this is ever true. We never would do anything like that. We would never jeopardize. No, really? Really? Really, Lloyd? They, 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 and, and, and you know, not for nothing, Jessica Mendoza talking about Mike Fires. Uh, here, here's somebody that I do have beef with, Mike Fires. Not because of everyone else saying he sold out, he dimed out his teammates. Lord, me and you know that the Houston Astros pitchers are cheating too. We know that. We don't know what they're doing, but we know they're cheating. We know their spin rates are astronomically higher than everybody else in baseball. We know that Justin Verlander looks better now as a, as a 15-year vet than he ever looked at Detroit under them. We know they're cheating. We had the, we had the shots of, of uh, Maldonado, I want to say. It might not even be Maldonado. With, with the pine tar. We had the shots during this year's playoffs at Yankee Stadium with the pine tar. We know they're cheating. How come Mike Fires conveniently didn't say what the pitchers are doing? Only what the hitters are doing. Are you telling me that only the hitters go there and improve? Only the cheating is impacting them? The players didn't benefit from this offense? And, and, and the, the pitchers are not cheating? Come on, dude. I mean, I'm happy he kept his mouth shut because then our boy, who... I mean, like I said, we're, look, Garrett Cole, we love Garrett Cole. But think about the run he had. God, God didn't lose a game since the middle of May. Yo, imagine if that was the case and we get this dude for $325 million. And he starts to get slapped around all over the place. 
That's my point, though. Listen, what, what, what we learned from them with this cheating scandal is the impossible is exactly that. It's still impossible. They're doing something. And that's why I don't respect Mike Fires. If you're going to out everybody, if you're going to out the system, out everybody. Don't just out yourself. Uh, I mean, don't just out the offense and the hitters. And I think that's why the hitters have beef. Because the hitters, they, what, what can what can Carlos Correa say about the pitching staff? He's still playing with those guys. What's he going to say about Justin Verlander? He, he can't. He's got to keep his mouth shut. So all the players are under fire and under scrutiny. And, he, and, and I'm sure those players know that these guys were cheating too. And I have it on good word that the only reason Mike Fires went public was because the Astros cheated against him, a former pitcher, former World Series champion with them, and they cheated and they smacked him up two innings, nine runs. And here's what I say. If, if people didn't see what happened between um, Bill Belichick and Eric Mangini, they're just fools. You want to cheat? Cheat everybody else in the league. Don't cheat the people that know what you're doing. They cheated somebody that knew what they were doing. And his feelings were hurt so much to the point he went public. Think about that. Oh, boy. I, you know, I'm just like, I'm at a loss of words with the way this whole thing has happened with baseball. You know, how baseball handled it and the fact that the players are getting away with doing what they did. And how Tuve coming out talking about they're going to win the World Series in 2020. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. How can you respect these dudes, you know, as another player? Like, you know, as a competitor. How can you respect them? Well, MLB did that. MLB did that because they gave them immunity. So now he can act like he never did anything wrong. Um, because in the eyes of everybody, he didn't. He got immunity. What? Well, why? Think about it, yo. Well, when people build cases in, in, in the legal system, who do they use? As informants, they use crimps. They use criminals, and they grant them immunity. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that 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 uh, what the, what the informant did was any less wrong. Michael Vick was convicted on a testimony of of his co-conspirators. I give you. I, I give you immunity to give me the dirt on him, and let's lock him up. Aaron Hernandez was convicted. On the testimony of an, an informant who was granted immunity, a career criminal who was going on his third strike. Not, not saying I think uh, uh, Aaron Hernandez is innocent by any means. I'm just saying, baseball, what are you doing? You don't need to give the players immunity to get the dirt. At the end of the day, the players are the ones you want to lock up, not, 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 not the front office. You know what I mean? Like, if the front office is dirty, it's dirty. But your report said that the front office had no knowledge of what was going on. It was a player-driven, this is what their report said. It was a player-driven, in quotations, scandal. But you 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 basically suspended the GM for a year. Yeah. You acknowledged that the that the manager was fed up and on several occasions broke the monitor these players were using to cheat. But you gave these players immunity, and the two guys that probably should have actually got the slap on the wrist are the ones that have their, their careers ruined. Yeah. I, oh, man. I'm sure at some point this will come back up again in conversation. Hopefully at some point 
We can have our good friend Joe Rivera, sports columnist from the Sporting News, uh, to give his opinion on it. Be interesting to see what he has to say. But there comes a point in the time, Mad Mike, of this show where we got to let you give your rant before we close it out. So, Mad Mike, what's your rant of the week? Lord, I actually don't want to rant this week. I actually want to take the time out um, to to praise the NBA, um, to praise Danny Ainge, to praise Mark Cuban, Jameer Nelson, and, and others because they are not giving up on Delonte West. I don't know if you saw this video, but Delonte West was on the side of a road getting beat up again um, by, uh, I guess, what people are calling uh, a friend or associate. Um, he's clearly having more issues, um, and he, he clearly has mental issues um, that need to be handled. And rather than saying he's no longer a player, he's no longer somebody we need to be worried about, uh, like they do in the NFL, Titus Young comes to mind. All his mental issues, they've wiped their hands of him. Uh, they already said he's not an NFL player anymore. He doesn't. Does uh, he no longer has coverage, uh, health care under us? Uh, you know, the NBA on the other hand are doing the complete opposite. Danny Ainge has given uh, Delonte West a scouting job in Philadelphia um, to put money in his pocket and help you know uh, comb the, the the young Philly scene. Um, this kid won't take the help, and I hope, I hope, I hope, uh, before it's too late, he decides to take the help. I, I thought about ranting on him, but I realized that uh, mental illness is a real problem in this country, and it, it, it's you know you're in denial, but you, um, until you're ready to to whatever it is, dementia, split personality, whatever it is, bipolar disorder, um, until he's ready to fully come to grips with it. Um, all you can do is hope that they don't give up on him before he's ready. And I just want to take time to praise them. I don't know how many people are paying attention to that story, but uh, the NBA world hasn't given up on Delonte West, even though we haven't seen him in some five years, six years. All right, there you have it, listeners. And with that being said, that's going to bring us to the close of this week's show. Me and Mad Mike want to thank you, the listeners, for sticking with us and supporting us. And we want to thank our producer, Ayo Omar Baker, for rocking us out. So, listeners, please have a safe and blessed week. And me and the man Mike can see you in seven days. So, hey, yo! Let's roll, baby! All right, that's going to bring this show to a close. Thank you to everybody for tuning in to this episode of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Show. Uh, brand new episodes drop every single Monday. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you get your podcast from, this show is available. Um, as always, if you have any questions, you can drop a question at Lloyd A. Thompson on social media or head over to LloydAThompson.com. And of course, head to PartOfMyFresh.com to check out all of the content that drops weekly, including the PMF Wrestling Show uh, hosted by myself and my partner, Ronnie Andretti. So once again, it's presented by Part of My Fresh. This is the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Show. We'll catch y'all next Monday for a brand new episode and once again, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, rest in peace to his daughter, Gianna Bryant, rest in peace to the nine total human beings that lost their lives in a helicopter crash yesterday. Very tragic, very sad. Thoughts and prayers go out to all of the loved ones and all of the people that were affected. So be safe. Tell somebody that you love them. And we'll see you all next week. Peace. <laughs>